Let our uh, intro roll a little longer today because it's a good song, man. It's poignant and the mood is right. And it felt like the right way to start episode 93 of The Brian Oak Show, recorded right here in the Smart Start MN studio, which is located in historic and beautiful South Minneapolis. On this first day of autumn, it is, in fact, the autumnal equinox, and it's going to be 82 degrees. Everything's fine. There's nothing to see here. Please move along, Sean. What don't we ever say as Irish people? Uh... I don't like potatoes. Yes, but also, it can't get any worse. No, 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 no. We've if we've learned anything, <laughs> this is not this is not the year to tempt fate. This is not the year to wag one's finger at the uh, the uncertain and the potentially horrible because it just keeps happening. Since you and I talked last, not to go into it with too light a heart, because I think it's devastating and terrible as a loss of just a regular human being but when you put it within the context of where we are today and who we are and what we do and where america sits right now the loss of supreme court justice ruth bader ginsburg is it would be a huge loss regardless of your political affiliation it would be a huge this is a, a truly great american but if you happen to lean a little left like this show does or a lot left uh or you just happen to believe that human beings should all be treated equally hmm. like this show does Ruth Bader Ginsburg is as big a hero as the 20th and early 21st century has had in America in terms of making sure that all Americans are treated like Americans. And what a fighter. And for her to even make it this long is amazing with all that she's endured. Mm -hmm. But talk about the courage of your convictions. I, I One of the best things I heard is it will take thousands of us to match what one Ruth Bader Ginsburg did. So to mourn people like that, you don't just look at it and say, well... 
they're gone. Oh, well, there goes another leader. You Somebody has to fill the role. It's just going to take thousands of people to do so. It absolutely is. But the other concern, of course, is not only for the loss of this truly incredible woman and what she meant to America and what she meant to women and what she meant to being a reasonable voice of dissent on something as powerful as the Supreme Court. She did sit on the Supreme Court and her vacancy creates what could be a generations long imbalance in terms of where we move going forward. And of course, the same people at the top who said back when it was a year before President Obama would be mm-hmm. stepping down, that we simply couldn't replace a seat when we're already in a presidential cycle, are now absolutely assuring us they will rush through any approval of any appointee from our commander-in-chief in as short order as possible. So there is going to be a change on the Supreme Court for the more conservative before the election. And I don't know about you, Sean, but uh, even from my privileged vantage point, I think that's terrifying. It's scary. I mean, there's no two ways around it. They can reverse Roe v. Wade. There's so much more that could happen, and it is a frightening time, even more frightening uh, than it was before. And that's why I've been sick to my stomach about Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg dying, is that the the impact can be profound and I just can't believe we're here right now. Uh, when I first saw that news on Saturday night, uh, my my heart sunk to my knees, and I thought, I mean, because I thought about the wider implications, and I immediately, because this is what 2020 has done to me, it's completely broken my spirit. Well, almost <laughs> completely broken my spirit, and so I automatically assumed this is the end times. This change right here is going to usher in an era of darkness that will last for decades and decades, and then I started to realize that it's not over yet just because the supreme court starts to maybe takes a a hard right if you will um that doesn't mean that we are powerless we just still we the people this is still our government we do not elect leaders we elect representatives even in the highest seat in the land yeah you may occasionally be called on to lead but this is our country and the only voice we have as people is to take it back is to make that voice heard that means getting active but it also means voting no matter what i don't honestly care okay that's not true i do care which way you vote But um, I would rather you vote and vote against something that I'm voting for than not vote at all. We need to take part in the process. We need to make sure that what little democracy still remains, that we that we make our voice heard, that we inflict our will on the people. And I saw that Mark Malman was heading out to former guest here on The Brian Oak Show. Minnesota musician was heading out to vote today. I thought, you know what, damn it. That's what I'm going to do. And before I talk about that, I do want to remind people that this will be the third of three installments we're doing on The Brian Oak Show to support the Me Too Minneapolis podcast podcast live stream that's coming up on Thursday from the hook and ladder. 17 incredible Minnesota female musicians mm. are all getting together to support the organization of Me Too Minneapolis to benefit Planned Parenthood, which is we've talked about on the last couple podcasts. You and I are both very ardent believers in that we're all better when we understand our sexual health and their sexual education and there is the ability to determine one's own destiny reproductive health and reproductive choice are crucial so another great reason to support this but on a strictly selfish level when you buy admission to the live stream you also get the 17 tracks written by each one of these artists who as we talked to mary bue about all they were given was the directive of write a song the subject is me to go 
and it went in a million different directions, oh, yeah. and I'm, I'm excited about this. And it's going to be a great performance Thursday. We'll have all the details coming up, and we'll be talking to one of the contributors and performers. Jure will be joining us just ahead. But to not fall down that deep black well of <laughs> losing Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yes. what it means to what she's done for America so far, what it means to our not-so-distant future, I'm not going to capitulate yet. I'm not going dark yet because we haven't lost yet. So insp- inspired by Mark Malman, I am going out and I am going to vote this afternoon and get that shit out of the way. In person. As you told me earlier, either downtown or in northeast Minneapolis, you can vote in person early and people need to know that. Yeah. Uh, like my wife and I are not comfortable with voting by mail. Mm-hmm. So we're either going to wait until Election Day or we're going to vote early in person just because we don't trust uh, everything that's going on from El Presidente. Mm, well, the, the, if you live in Minneapolis, there are two places that you could vote right now. If you live outside, all you have to do is check in with your city. There will be early voting options available. There are just the two places, as Sean mentioned right now. But on October 27th, the week before, uh, several other places will be opening up for early in-person voting. I don't care if you vote by mail. I don't care if you wait the day of and you want to stand in line for a long time. I don't care if you've already voted well, actually, I do. That's my whole point. Vote. Make sure <laughs> that you vote. Do the voting thing. And let's maintain a little positivity throughout this, because if we give up, we will find a way to make that come true. We will find a way to make that our reality. And even in the face of impossible odds, you've got to keep fighting. And to me, this song says that exact message, but does so in such an amazing and fun and enjoyable way, but at the same time being poignant and political and positive and talking about the power of unity. But we have to work. It doesn't just fall into our laps. We've got to work. This is one of Sean's favorite bands. Um, oh, man. Wow. This, this band is somewhere between the greatest brass band you've ever heard, the <laughs> coolest street hip-hop act you've ever seen. There's so much more going on in here, but they are about positivity. They are about unity. And if you ever see one of their shows, live you will become a convert the band is oza motley the song is saturday night turn this one up nice and loud and thanks for tuning in to the brian oak show Scenario to the future, bro. 2020 and some number a year ago, people rose up, governments froze up, worldwide block party, everybody shows up, up on rooftops, ghettos and hotspots, people celebrate, no more souls rot, no more bloodshed over false deficit, even hip hop, get the fucking facelift, the latest fashion, stock market's crashing, it's Saturday, time to get the party cracking, and if the time and the day is right, the revolution will begin this Saturday night. Futuristic, I'm killing them every sending them. Sending them back with syllable venom up in them. Two 
terrific epitome of a pendulum. Digital rap got animals stamina in them. Sun your soul and backbone, where the clap come from? Action Jackson, matter of fact, we move you from the front to the back, see? Plug us up and then bump this new fat beat. When it drop, stores out of stock on me. Stop till you drop, homie, that's not me. Rush and attack from the back on three. Stop on B, shot world peace. Live from the block, love peace, oh please. We don't need bouncers or police. It's Saturday night, it's nothing better. Spread the word that we coming together. So come and help me now. Oh, and you don't stop. Get ready for the Saturday night. Right there, Oza Motley, Sean, your thoughts. I really liked it. Yeah. Like, that's my kind of hip-hop right there. I don't like gangster rap. I right. don't like it when they're misogynistic and all that crap. So that, to me, was really fun. And that, like, when I grew up with early hip-hop, it was really fun music and funny. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there were funny lyrics, and I, I just loved it. So, no, that was really a very fun song. And I love it when the DJs take turns rapping, too. That's always a... A treat. That would be the MCs, my good man. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. I just wanted to say, um, come yes, on. Yes, the uh, MCs. Uh, uh, no, that's the, what I meant. The, 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 the <laughs> MC stands for microphone command. Everybody know, knows you that. You know it. Oza Motley right now on the Brian Oak Show. Episode 93 of this particular podcast. And before we talk to Jure, we do have to make sure to mention that the podcast is made possible through both our Patreon members, but also the support of our sponsors. First and foremost, Smart Start MN, Minnesota's original inter- ignition interlock company. You get a DUI, someone you know gets a DUI, you're going to need to get back into your car, and you can do it significantly faster if you go through Smart Start MN. They basically put a mini breathalyzer in your vehicle, you blow clean, and off you go. Yeah, and if you go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show, they'll give you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock so you can be on the road to go vote. Yeah, exactly. You still want to vote. You don't want to let one bad mistake get in the way of doing your civic duty, do you? No, and you don't have to blow into the machine to actually vote in person. Which sometimes, you know, there used to be old school <laughs> laws in this country where bars were closed on election day. I think it should be a national holiday right now. Agreed. Yeah, I absolutely think we should take Columbus Day and get rid of it. 
and make that election day and, and, and a national holiday. I couldn't agree more. Look at that. Making important civic changes on the calendar right now here that's on the Brian That's what I do. That's Sean Bernard. Another sponsor we have to thank is Busters on 28th. These are hard times for musicians, for, I, I don't know, pet grooming places, uh, also restaurants. I mean, the margins weren't that great to begin with, and this day and age, it's tough. Luckily, a lot of people are doing takeout because we can't stand the thought of our own cooking or walking around our own kitchen anymore. Or people are actually venturing out, brave enough to go out and sit on patios or sit inside restaurants. All of those are options with Busters on 28th. You go to bustersontwentieth.com. You peruse the menu. If you can even begin to make some kind of a decision, you can order online, do your curbside pickup, or you can head down there and hang out with them where they have a selection of literally hundreds of wines and, uh, and beer. I have an idea. What's the idea? Thursday night, if you are streaming the show uh, from... Hook and Ladder. The Me Too Minneapolis show. Correct. If you're streaming that and you tag Brian Oak and the Brian Oak show. Okay. We're going to hand out our deliver somehow get people 10, 10 different people are going to get a gift card. So we want people to share that show and tag uh, Brian Oak and we're going to give away 10 gift cards. We want as many people sharing it so that they can tell their friends about it and they can make as much money for this great causes possible exactly i know we're doing an uh, an on-show production meeting right now but well, i've well, made the decision brian I, I, <laughs> well even if i wanted to veto you i don't think i'd do it in the middle of the show but i don't want to veto you <laughs> i like the way you think let's do it okay so when the show goes live or prior to that if yeah. people do you want to just say that if they share the the stream itself because you do have to buy admission to it yes what if when we make the post about the show if people share the fact that the show is coming up on uh we'll just pick 10 10 of those yeah. people at random. yeah i'd love that because at least that way you know the average person has 500 uh, social media friends and followers, and even if we can pre-promote it and get them to share it, that would be a ton of people right there. That'd be 5,000 additional humans that would know about this great event that's happening. Okay, very good. So we'll, we'll, we'll uh, after we publish today's episode, we will promote it online, and then we want you to either go to Me Too Minneapolis on Facebook about this event or go to my page and share what I've shared about this podcast, and we'll grab 10 people and hook you up with uh, Busters on 28th gift certificates. Word. Look at you making it all happen. Hmm. Speaking of this big event on Thursday evening, it's Me Too Minneapolis, a virtual streaming live performance from Minnesota-based artists. 17 women have come together as part of this collective and it's pretty great. The headliners, Tina Schleski, Maida, and Sarah Morris are each going to be performing a 30-minute set on Thursday evening and there's going to be a, a lot of other artists there as well. Lydia Liza, Mary Bew, Chastity Brown, Annie Fitzgerald, Katie Vernon, Avril Bach, and the woman joining us today, Jour. Jour, how are you? I'm delightful. Thank you. Well, lovely to see you on a sunny day. Do you like the fact, before we talk about how important this event is, do you like the fact that it's warming up again here on the first day of fall, or are you someone who says bye summer? Mm. Yesterday, I hugged my hammock by Lake of the Isles and whilst swaying in the wind <laughs> and the sudden unexpected rain that began to fall, oh, yeah. I thought to myself, damn, I wish it was summer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to. So that rain, that wasn't in the forecast, by the way. That was a surprise, right? Everyone thought it yeah. was going to be nice yesterday? Yeah, no, I was quite taken by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're mocking experience. For those who are not initiated, that's what hammockers like to call it is hammockers. I like that better. Mocking. So your mocking experience was interrupted by Mother Nature. Indeed. I mean, I, I withstood the rain, I shook my fist at it, and I stayed in my hammock. 
for the duration of the downpour, but um, thank God for trees, I guess, because it lightened the load of water. <laughs> well, you are going to be part of, our part already, of this collective that's gotten together, Me Too Minneapolis. And again, it's happening at the Hook and Ladder. We're not urging people to go there. We're urging people to get their tickets online. You get a three-hour performance, but for that $25 price of admission, in addition to a one-of-a-kind live streaming performance, you're going to get an automatic digital download for all 17 tracks. Every woman that was asked to participate, every songwriter on here was said, write a song about Me Too. And now, without trying to pretend what that might mean to a performer, to a woman, to anybody, I have to imagine that that's a tall order only because the spectrum of what Me Mm. Too could mean is so wide. So when they sat you down or emailed you or whatever the case was and said... Write a song about Me Too. Where does your brain even start? How, what What do you, I mean, because it seems like, okay, I got to tackle this and fix it in one song, or were you able to pick out a, a thing you wanted to focus on? Well, there was a lot of angles I kind of, per, like, I just, honestly, at first I was very overwhelmed by the the prompt. It, it was so vague. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so for a while I was like, am I writing a song about women's rights because this is for Planned Parenthood? Am I writing a song about assault or my own personal experiences with it? Am I writing, what am I saying? And it kind of immediately, we I mean, we all did write original songs for this record, but that's not to say that we hadn't all already in some degree or another thought about or had already not written a song about this in the past. So as you know, Mary Bu has already written songs about this in the past and, um, and I have pieces of songs that I never really could place. I had them sort of, I always have like some songs just kind of like stewing and I never know exactly where the rest of the song's going to come from. I might not have a chorus. It might not have no. a second verse. It might just be a bridge. It might just be kind of bits and pieces of songs. And one of my favorite things to do is to just kind of like mix and match songs mm. like an outfit and try them on <laughs> and see if they work together or mm-hmm. if they don't. And, um, and sometimes that works out really well. Other times, you know, I'll try that and then I'm just kind of like, meh. And <laughs> and on this particular occasion, I, you know, as soon as I was asked and all those thoughts kind of flooded my mind, I was like, you know, I have some lyrics in my pocket and I have a melody in my pocket that I've been waiting to find the right place for. And I had a chorus for that song but I was like, it's, but I always knew I was like, this isn't the chorus. This is just filling space. And so I was ready to just cut that out and like put in what I really wanted to say. And it was, um, in that process that the two verses that I had, um, I was able to extrapolate into a chorus and a, and a bridge. And that, um, idea sort of was solidified, I guess, in that process where I I did have to sit down and think carefully, how do I want this uh, message to come together and what do I really want to say and of course I think what's crazy about this is that even though we've all had our different experiences of assault or egregious kind of um, imbalances in our interactions with men in this industry I um, I've I've found it really fascinating how each of our own unique stories and histories and backgrounds and schemas influenced the direction that we took in our writing Um because I think we've all encountered dumbass men in our work, but instead of us all writing songs about Mm -hmm. that, we actually all spoke from where we were in this moment of our lives. And one of the things that's been happening in my life over the last few years is I've becoming, 
I've been becoming, I think, more and more aware of what my voice is just in my life and what my boundaries are and who I am as an individual. And I've said this in other interviews, but I think it's what I really want to say. It's like where I begin and others end. Um, And so this song really turned into something that I had these verses that spoke about boundaries that I had. And then when given the prompt to write about me too, I suddenly saw them fitting into a bigger picture of how I wanted to vocalize and speak for myself and advocate for myself in my world and how I wanted to empower other women to Mm. do so as well. So the song that I wrote is called Won't Stop Me Now. And I discuss in the first two verses, um, first, it is political. I'm frustrated about decisions that are being made at the government level that make my life unsafe. Mm -hmm. Um, as it pertains specifically to just the cavalier way that our president has approached, um, different things and our inability of our Senate and our Congress to make moves to protect our children with gun violence and our families and our public spaces. Um, beyond that also the times where I felt like Trump was just taking us to the brink of nuclear war. Mm -hmm. Like it was no big deal. And I was like, guess who's dying when there's a nuclear war? Like it's probably us, not, you so I think that really was upsetting to me um, and those were verses that were written around that time uh, like a year or two ago um, can't place it exactly where in history but I had that again it was like ruminating then the second half of or the third verse I guess is more uh, more kind of zeroes in on like I also don't like it when men touch me after I play a show mm-hmm. I don't want you to grab me or mm-hmm. to you know not ask me about how I want you to take a picture. I know it's kind of a small example, but like the number of times I've played a show and then strange men come up to me for a photograph and they put their arm around me Mm. or like they see me in the crowd and they like put their hand on the small of my back and they're like, that was a great show. And I'm just like, who the hell are you? (laughs) Like, I've never seen you in my life. Like you do not get to touch my body. And like, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like, maybe just the snowflake on top of the iceberg. Like it just gets so much bigger and worse than that. But, Mm -hmm. but like in even that small moment, I wanted to say like, even in that moment, I want consent all the way down to the second where you are interacting with me post performance. And, and so from that, I, you know, moved on into just saying that there's a lot of tension, um, around, these ideas and there's a lot of tension for men around letting women have a voice and have autonomy over their own bodies. And, and so essentially the, the lyrics of the like pre-chorus and chorus are, you wanted to fight me, but I won't go down. You wanted silence, but I'm going to shout, you won't stop me now. Like, and that to me felt like what I wanted to finally say and what I've spent years sort of learning about myself and, and placing myself in the world and how I interact with others and just saying, just finally declaring like, you know what? I'm going to speak my needs. I'm going to say what I want. Like, this is my life and I'm going to take control of what I can control. And I'm no longer going to tolerate bullshit from people. 
I really hope it's okay that I'm swearing on this. We podcast. encourage it. I, <laughs> I, I, I love it because I mean that's well because it's how people talk in yes. their day to day life, yeah. right? And so I, that's what this show is. And luckily, uh, at least as it stands now, things haven't gotten so draconian, dr- draconian <laughs> that uh, that you can't say fuck Trump on fuck this Trump. show. Yeah. We can. And we can say great. it loudly. Fuck it feels Trump. Good. Say fuck, <laughs> fuck Trump. Trump. Yes. All right. I have a question for sure. you, George. There should be a punk song um, called Fuck Trump. By there's the way, there's a lot of songs called Fuck Trump. Are there? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, our good buddy. Kai, who used to be in the band Flip way back in the day, oh, yeah. moved out to California. Oh, yeah. He does all the poster design and video directing and stuff yep. out there. He made a video online just a couple days ago called Fuck Trump. Oh, that's yeah. great. He used he to hang it. out at the radio station all the time that we worked at. Uh huh. A all simple the time. Spotify search will <laughs> Give you result in many <laughs> Sorry. Well, Fuck Donald Trump songs. You know, we don't really have uh, 94, uh, episode 94 of the show set in stone yet. I mean, maybe we take some time and look up Fuck Trump and we just play the, you know, like we do like the soft slow romantic ballad <laughs> fuck trump and then we do the we do the hardcore uh, street rap version yeah. of fuck trump and um yeah i kind of maybe the kids version like baby shark except fuck trump you know the song loving you is easy because you're beautiful yeah I like it. I, like I it. do. I do. All right. Very good. Um, so George, the song you're talking about is just one of 17 songs on this download. Mm-hmm. That right there is easily worth the $25 price of admission. Plus, you get this one-of-a-kind performance. This is exciting. I love the people at the Hook and Ladder. That's my neck of the woods. That's my neighborhood. Kitty Corner from the 3rd Precinct, which, you yeah. know, went up in flames. It's, it was a scary time to live in southeast Minneapolis. Um but this is just one song that people can get of the 17, an incredible array of artists, many who have been on the show here. And just the last couple of weeks, we had Maida and Mary Bew. Today, we're joined by Jor. Before we hear one of your songs, I would like to know, when did you fall in love with music? Wow. Interesting question. <laughs> I would say my love affair with music began in my infancy. I was just a... You know, my mother said I quite literally would wake up every morning and before my feet hit the floor, I was singing. Wow. So I I don't like, I mean, that's anecdotal from my mother, but I... It's still a great story. Yeah. and I, But I took <laughs> piano lessons starting at the age of four um, and little voice, little girl voice lessons at four. And like the first performance I ever did, I sang my favorite things from The Sound of Music mm-hmm. um, at a recital and... I guess I just never stopped wanting to sing. I would meet other friends even in high school and in choir. And and I, I didn't know that I could be a singer one day. I just sort of was like always as a kid obsessed with that. And I would draw and I would draw people singing wow. like on stage with a microphone. And I would draw people performing. I mean, it was just like always there. But I didn't really know until I was in my mid-20s that I could actually like have a career in music. Because um, I grew up in the suburbs and nobody told me like, there was life in art, so I... Um... <laughs> now, as, as a fellow suburban dweller, I grew, also grew up in the suburbs. May I ask what suburb you grew up in? Yeah, loosely Eden Prairie. Okay. But like Southwest suburbs. Hard times. Mm-hmm. I got Hard it. Times. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just say when I finally realized what was happening to me, I got out of the suburbs as quickly as Realized you were free to leave. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, this isn't a, yeah, no, a glass I, cage. I, I, I left Coon Rapids at 18, and I never really looked back either. <laughs> so it was, it's been with you for a very 
very long time. Does it, does it, you know, I, it's always so weird for me not being a songwriter or a creator of music, I, but I still find it fascinating how different artists approach their craft. You know, for some people, they think it's a voice from somewhere else. For other people, they think it's like sitting down with construction materials and sort of putting something together by hand, being very deliberate about it. Where does your music come from or where do you think it initially came from? I would say um, in total honesty, I have a very bright, like personable, happy exterior, which I don't (laughs) think I am faking in any kind of way, but it's just easy for me to have those emotions and to be expressive and be positive Mm -hmm. and be all these things that are quite bubbly and gregarious, gregarious, et cetera. So that is something that I find very simple. Those are emotions I find quite easy to process. Um, but I struggled to articulate like my darker feelings and emotions. And that's where music became really important to me, Mm. especially growing up before I was writing my own music. I was listening to songs that were really deeply introspective, quite minor in tone, um, like dark, but broody. And that music really connected with me. And Mm. I felt like, wow, these are feelings I don't know how to feel by myself and I need to feel them, but I need music as a, as a conduit or like a vessel to help me get there. And so, um, that has been heavily influenced. Uh, it has been a heavy influence in my writing because I, I need to process the things that are more difficult about life, death, loss, um, frustration, grief, whatever it is like, I need music to articulate that, whether it's through the way it sounds or the chord structure or literally the lyrics, um, you know, or the way that the text is being painted musically. Um, Ultimately, music, I think, for me is a way of expressing what I can't say with words. So let's go ahead and hear one of those upbeat toe tappers you're talking about, a song song called American Nightmare. Uh, Before we dive into it, let's, I mean, just, you know, right in the title, we're off to a start. Um, With American Nightmare, tell me about this song and then we'll get into it. Yeah, it has kind of two pieces to it. It, as music does when it's vague enough, but specific enough, it kind of took on a life of its own after Donald Trump was elected for me, but I wrote it before then, uh, specifically about feeling like I was set up to be put on a path for the American dream, which I realized for me was like the nightmare the life I didn't want. And it was a big, huge upset in my life to my family, to my friends and my career when I worked in finance to say like, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I don't belong here. And uh, to me, it was very suffocating and soul sucking to be working in that type of environment. Um, And I was like, the song says, like, don't make me turn the lights out. I'm scared of what I see. What if I can't wake up from this American dream? And so I I was just like, I got to make some choices about my life. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was 25 and I was like, I'm going to do music full time. Like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to make this happen. And um, but that being said, the song is still like not specific about work. And so then when Donald Trump was elected, the song hadn't been released yet. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God. God. <laughs> it's like it's prophetic <laughs> and that happens a lot with my music I'll write something and I'm just like not maybe very specific and then it ends up being really specific to something that happens later in my life or in the world and I'm like oh my god that's crazy so yeah American Nightmare like has changed meaning for me in a lot of ways um, and I think that it's very 
specifically also reflects my feelings about how America has shifted over the last four years, too. So let's um, hear it. This is music from music from Jure. It's called American Nightmare on the Brian Oak Show.
Jew or American Nightmare Jew joins us here in the Smart Start MN studio for the Brian Oak Show, episode 93. You're obviously the singer. You play all the keys? I do. Yes, I also play the keys. I love your style. I like the kind of uh, when synthesizers come in over the top and just sort of saturate the entire thing. It's one of my favorite things that ever happens (laughs) in music. How would you describe your evolution, um, you know, from the time that you decided, F it, I'm leaving financial corporate America and I'm going to do this. I don't know how long ago that was, and I'm not going to ask you. I just want to know that from the time you decided I'm doing this thing, how would you describe the evolution of your music in that interim, over that interval? Well, the first record that I wrote out of that, I wrote literally like at my desk working in finance. A lot of TPS reports and uh, spreadsheets like, and stuff. Due diligence and underwriting, actually. But, uh, <laughs> it, uh, I'm glad I asked. Well played, well played. Yes. But, uh, it was... Um, <laughs> It was like literally I would like turn on my voice memos on my phone and I'd be like the snowballs upwards in the morning. Long days. Long days. So you you really were from the, the office inspired school of songwriting yeah, right. early on, right? Yeah, no, I whisper I whisper wrote a lot of my songs uh-huh. at my desk and it's so my the, stapler. I did not get any cake. <laughs> so yeah, the first record I released in 2014 was was largely inspired by misery. Um, <laughs> oh, and the work. drudgery of corporate misery, yeah. no less. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, again, vague enough and relatable enough that people could maybe hopefully associate with something other than a hard a job that they hate. But like, I found that that was actually something that created a lot of friction in my life, and I needed that outlet, and so I did. I wrote these songs inspired in real time at work um but that being said i think the music back then was i kind of came from a background that was a lot more gospel oriented i grew up in church and so i was more familiar with that kind of vibe and and i could sing that way but when i started working with a producer named matt patrick at the library recording studio he's like i want you to maybe explore some other directions like let me send you some music by someone named Feist. Hmm. And I was, he was like, I just think maybe, yes, you can sing this way that you've been singing, but I, I think maybe you might find that your potential could be achieved even more in a different way. And like the rudder, the record metals by Feist, like li- literally changed my life. I, it changed everything for me. Like for the first time in my life, I realized my voice could be used as an instrument or like a paintbrush to like create something, create space, create sound, create a feeling, create movement. And it was it was like suddenly I saw music as art and I had never seen it that way Mm. before. My experience and encounters with music had been very commercialized up to that point in my life. So at about the age 24, 25, I learned of Feist and I I um yeah, I um, kind of shifted into a more uh, indie style, like indie rock or indie pop kind of vibe and felt really at home there. And then I toured that record for a while and eventually was like, I'm ready to make another one, but I want to find the way to explore. And that's this Chiaroscuro record. I, was, I said, I want to explore that tension between that far side avant-garde and then the super other opposite side of the spectrum commercialized version of music and find something in the middle that is Mm. both artistic 
and accessible. Well, I have to say that the thing I was thinking of, I'm, I'm glad to hear you describe it that way. The thing I was thinking of is it's got this gorgeous atmospheric vibe, but most really atmospheric music <clears throat> doesn't have hooks. And that song had hooks. So, I mean, you were you were out there and again, all that gorgeous painting, but there's still a good song and a good groove in there the whole well, time. And I, I worked really hard on this record, um, although it came out a couple years ago, but I worked very hard on to that specific end. I was like, I want people to sing these songs. I want people to walk away remembering these songs. And if there's a million words and it's really esoteric, like that's beautiful if you're like sitting there and you're like getting high or something. But if you like really want to remember a song passively, like you have to write something mm. that people don't have to think about. Hooks. Right, exactly. And so I I spent a lot of effort refining and redefining and rewriting until I felt like it was something people could grab easily while not compromising what I felt was being true to myself as an mm. artist. Um, so I, yeah, I worked really hard to that end. We're going to hear more of your music coming up in just a minute here. And before we get back to talking again about the Me Too Minneapolis live stream that's coming up in just a couple of days on Thursday, which will be what, the 24th of September. Uh, and we'll have the details on that just ahead. Jor will be with us as well. But I do want to mention Sean Bernard. Sean Bernard, you are a realtor for, uh, what is it, the 50th in France branch of uh, Edina Realty? That is correct. Okay, very good. Now, maybe someone hears that and they're like, well, I live in Arden Hill or I live in Invergrove Heights, fancy western suburbs boy isn't going to be able to help me out. That's not true, is it? I'll help anybody anywhere as long as they're nice people. Okay. I'm happy to help people buy and sell their homes. This was not my first career, but I really enjoy it. I uh, just picked up a couple of new clients uh, over the weekend, which was really cool and really nice uh, young couple. I say young, they're like 40, so I don't know. Well, younger than you, buddy. Yes, yes, they are. And much younger than me. But I just, I really enjoy it. And, and that's one of the coolest part of my job is I end up kind of making friends with the people that were helping them buy and sell. And, and uh, when the warming house is back, I'll still give a portion of every sale to the warming house and also give a one-year membership uh, for two for a year to every one of my clients. So you may call it 612-859-2594 if you know somebody who's in the market to buy or sell. Uh, that number is also text-worthy. Very good. Uh, it is The Brian Oak Show. We're talking to Jure, one of 17 artists that is part of the Me Too Minneapolis Music Collective. Now, I know that there are other people who are involved with the administration of this and getting the event going, but 17 female Minnesota musicians. And as I talked to both um, uh, Maida and Mary Bue about... Uh, this is important on so many different levels. Again, we're talking about a much wider cultural impact, right, in terms of the Me Too Minneapolis movement, the Me Too movement in general, Planned Parenthood. But I think for somebody who, like myself, has been a Minnesota music fan for more decades than I'd care to admit, right, um, it's always been a good scene here. It's gone through areas where everyone's talking about it, and then it goes through relatively quiet periods. But it doesn't mean that creativity isn't happening. It doesn't mean there's not amazing music here. And in this day and age, I think it's more prolific than ever. But I still think, despite, well, much like the need for Me Too on a wider, more cultural basis, I still think that music even with all the inroads made, still has too many dudes in it, right? And not enough women. And so to have, and there's nothing wrong with dudes who know what they're doing, but there are so many talented women creating music and writing music. And there always has been, but to see 17 of them gather for A, an important cause, but B, again, just on the selfish tip for me as a music fan, this is fun. 17 tracks I've never heard before from amazing artists. 
this is cool. Was it? Is it fun to be a part of? Do you I mean? Do you like? Do you, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to take away from the real goal here, but there are layers of things to enjoy here, and one is just straightforward for the music. Yeah, when we were first invited to participate last winter, I felt pretty isolated in it. I got an email. It wasn't like a bunch of other artists were copied on that email or anything like that. It was Krista and Misha. They contacted me and they're like, would you be a part of this? And I was sort of like, sure. (laughs) Would you be the face of all women everywhere for this? I, I, I just sort of didn't know really what to say. I was like, okay, like, no problem. I'll write a song about it. Like, you know, sure. Um, but I even waffled on it. I, there was a point at which I almost decided not to do it. Um, but I ended up persevering. I, I think I didn't realize what it was, what was in front of me. I don't think any of us did. I think some women were more enthusiastic about it. I was just a little bit more like, yeah, sure. I think part of that has to do with, I, I kind of went through a kind of a burnout phase musically mm. um, after my last record came out in 2018. And I I had sort of been like, I need some space from music. And mm. so being asked to write something wasn't like so many of the women were like, I said yes right away. And I didn't. I, cause I sort of needed time to decide if I was ready to get back into this Um not permanently. I didn't. I knew I wasn't permanently leaving music in any kind of way. As much as I was just focusing more on being like a sidekick in bands. I was playing for Chris Koza. I've played for Haley for mm. several years. I played keys and background vocals for a lot of people. And and that version of music has been fulfilling because it's still an outlet for me on keys. But I, it takes the pressure off of me as a person. And I've had a lot of anxiety about that. And so I have just not had not been ready, I think, to step back into that role as solo artist, even though I really enjoy it on a lot of different levels. Um, so this invitation felt a little precarious to me, actually. I, I, It was asking me to do something that felt out of my comfort zone at that moment in time. And so it didn't occur to me how rewarding it would be and I've been really blown away by that. And I think the timing of everything happens just so it's such that uh, we are having our own Me Too moment in this community. And this record happened to be like ready. It, I, I would love to say that we like whipped it together in <laughs> June and we all wrote these songs really fast. And, but actually we turned these songs in April 1st or May 1st, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um so it's been a while and I I think what has grown from it that I didn't realize could happen is that instead of being these kind of disparate separate artists, we've actually, because of the way the interview processes have gone, the different things that Krista has done to make us a group, a voice as a group, mm-hmm. um, I suddenly have found myself in the middle of a community of women who are so supportive and so positive and have such high ideals for what the scene can become that I feel not that I made a song for a record that I'll never think about again, but that I've started and become a part of a movement. And in that, I feel so much energy and so much potential. And even just under these current circumstances where our society is shut down, it is to me the perfect moment for change because we can restart society built on a foundation of safety and healthy relationships Mm -hmm. with, you know, 
uh, talent buyers and and sound guys and you know whatever the hell whoever other people at the restaurants and the venues and the staff and um like we have a moment and opportunity right now so that when society reopens we can frame it up and shape it up the way that we want it to be and we've never had an ability to systemically change a scene like this because it's always kept going and now it's not going and so when it starts again in person we have this time to to plan and to build and to prepare infrastructure so that we can have a community that's safe and and so that really excites me and now we have 17 you know women femme you know trans non-binary group of people who are ready to be the voice of that and advocate for it on a public platform together in unity when as a woman who comes forward about sexual abuse, you are so often isolated Mm -hmm. and ostracized. So to me, this moment has become so much more than I ever anticipated. And I think I would have really regretted it if I'd said no, um, now that I know what it can become. And so I'm very grateful to be involved. Me Too Minneapolis is a songwriting collective, but it's much more than that. See, I hope that this is the kind of album that will find its way to girls, young women, because I think that, you know, there are more and more positive messages all the time, but I don't think there can be enough positive messages ever, you know, and I I just, I feel like you're right. This is part of a movement. It can affect the infrastructure of what we're going to come back to. So hopefully our little time here in the cocoon, we come out a little better on the other side. I really like that analogy very much. The Me Too Minneapolis virtual streaming live performance Thursday, September 24th. We're recording right now on Tuesday afternoon on the 22nd. So it's coming up in just a couple days at the Hook and Ladder, 7 to 10 p.m. on Thursday evening. Now it is $25 for that ticket, but you get three hours of an amazing performance from actual artists from the Hook and Ladder. It's going to be a great evening. 25 bucks would be nothing if you were going to see them live. And you are going to see them live, but then you also get 17 original tracks as created by all the women who have been involved in this particular thing. And I love the thought that your view Viewing this as not a one-off, interesting, fun thing, but maybe as the beginning of something truly systemic and much bigger, and frankly, something that's got some life and some legs to it after we're done here, I think that would be a very, very positive thing. Yeah, I, I absolutely see that potential. And it, we'll see you know, how it shakes out in terms of who has energy to carry the torch and who wants to be a part of shaping that. Mm-hmm. And if there are people who weren't on the record who want to become a part of that, you know, this to me is maybe it's it isn't under the banner of me too minneapolis as a record but it is a a movement that we now have connections to each other to begin and trust you know built amongst ourselves that often you know i think that while interestingly enough i think it's hard to build relationships with other women in our scene not Mm. because there's anything wrong with the women but because there's just so few of us that when you're at a gig, you're not seeing the other women. Right. <laughs> because how often is it a gig? Like, it is hard whether we want to admit it or not. I know talent buyers don't want to book a gig with two women acts. They want 
the female to be one of mm. many, you what, know. Working and, in radio for 25 years, there was this old adage, even when I started back in the mid-90s, and this sounds so antiquated, but you would never ever, it was sort of unspoken, but you would never ever play back-to-back female artists on the radio. Yeah, that's bullshit. I couldn't agree more. I could not <laughs> agree more. But, I mean, it was part of that old-school mentality that women don't move units. They don't sell records. They're not who are tuning in. And if it's women tuning into a radio station, a female-leaning station, as we used to call it, they still said that research indicated that you didn't want to hear back-to-back women, and I couldn't agree with you more, Jure. It is bullshit. And so you're talking about, like, on a bill, I mean, like, the the infrastructure, the mentality needs to change, and you also brought up an excellent point about how when it's always just going... Change is so glacial. It moves so slowly and it's so incremental. Now's the time for an actual jump up, uh, you know, an actual level up, if possible. Yeah, I I would hope that that would be the result. And and like I said, we haven't like organized as individuals together so much, but I think it's these conversations that drive that forward. So even if like little pockets of women in the scene are inspired to advocate for themselves, but I think there's bigger things that can happen. I've had conversations with um, other women who are like, we want to create like a a safe space badge for certain venues and that venues can apply for and try to Mm. get these badges and that there's certain parameters that they have to follow in order to qualify. And we create it in such a way that then touring acts will only want to go to safe space venues and that these places that are willing to tolerate, um, misogyny or abuse of women or their artists or their staff or their guests, they will shut down because they can't get business because bands won't play in spaces that aren't badged as a safe space. And, you know, those are conversations we've started to have of like, what are what are bigger things we can do to put societal pressure to create stigma around actual assault instead of around the women who come forward with it? Oh, well said. I don't know what I could possibly add to that. So let's hear one of your songs. Is that cool? Great. All right, let's cool. Let's hear. Let, tell me about this song that we're about to hear. We are going to. Oh, what have I done? Look what I've done. All right, there we go. Oh, we're going to hear Revolution, which I guess feels like the exclamation point on the end of the sentence you just said. Sure. Yeah. I mean, revolution can mean a lot of things. I specifically wrote this song when um, Philando Castile was shot, but mm. I think that it basically sums up just these attitudes of of just not being willing to be pushed around anymore like let Mm -hmm. our voices be heard let our feet be heard as we march like let these marches change society let the wave come and let's ride it and take it and and make change and i and that's what the song is about it's called revolution there's a surge coming I can feel the tension when I move, it's a revolution A tidal wave is coming through Cause the earth's shaking And I'm not talking about the ground It's our feet marching And we'll raise the dead with a sound Chase you down Ooh, and you can either surf or drown Cause it's a revolution It's a revolution 
Music from Jor right there on the Brian Oak Show. It's episode 93. That one is called Revolution, and it is absolutely beautiful. Love that song. If people want to know more about your music, would like to listen to more of your music, where would they do that? What would be the best place to go do that? You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, wherever. Uh, Jour, J-O-U-R. Typically, it's best if you just also include a name of one of the songs. So uh, just because J-O-U-R is the beginning of a lot of names like Journey. Uh, Are you on Bandcamp as um, well? Some of my music is on Bandcamp. Okay, just because um, their margins are the best. Usually, if, it, if we invite our listeners to sure. go there, then you make the most money. Yeah. So we try to tonight. Them. I will be on Bandcamp. <laughs> so I just haven't. I never got it set up, but yes, I've always intended to do that. But yeah, otherwise, you can type in Jour J O U R American Nightmare, and that'll give you everything that you ever wanted to find out about me. Okay, wow, very good. That's very um, forthcoming of you. You are part of the Me Too Minneapolis <laughs> virtual streaming live performance uh, a bunch of great minnesota-based artists there to raise awareness to help make the world a better and safer place for people who have i just it 
I, I can only imagine, I, you know, and I'm not trying to do any virtue, sig- virtue signaling, but it's, it's got to be exhausting to still having to be fight, fighting this fight every single day of being alive. It, yes, there are aspects of it that are really exhausting. I think there are aspects right now that feel energizing. That's good. Um, knowing that there's like a moment where there's the shift, that there's a, you know, tectonic shift, um, that gives me hope. But yeah, I mean, it, it still, it, it becomes more and more and more clear to me, for instance, just when I'm walking down the street that like, I see a dude on the street as I'm walking down the street. And as I'm thinking about walking past that dude, I'm thinking about walking past that dude. And I'm Hmm. thinking, what's going to happen when I walk past that dude? Is he going to try to say something to me? Is he going to touch me? Is Hmm. he going to make me uncomfortable? Is he going to give me space? And I promise you that dude walking down the street is not thinking, Mm -mm. is that woman going to touch me? Is she going to make me uncomfortable? (laughs) Is she going to what, you know, I mean, he might think like, man, that's a hot girl, you know, but like, except for however he decides to act on that, like there's nothing else that has ever crossed his mind. And I think that's a privilege that a lot of men are just completely unaware of and that's a life I live every day and that's my experience when I pull up at a stoplight and there's a guy next to me and I walk down the street when I leave my house at night when I try to walk home from a restaurant or get to my car like I'm always thinking about those things and it would be really cool to live in a world where I don't have to have that undertone that exists at all times Um, but I don't necessarily see that happening in my lifetime. Well, we're working towards it, though, right? Yeah. One step at a time. Hopefully, me too. And hopefully that small incremental change this time, we can watch something genuinely move forward. We'll have to do this again sometime because we have a lot more I want to talk about, but the show is technically well passed over. Thank you very much for coming in. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm only realizing at the very end here that uh, I never really bothered to ask. Um, I've been zhuzhing the J at the beginning of your name. Do you just go Jor or it is Jor? It is. Okay, very good. Woohoo! I act- <laughs> I'm so glad because then otherwise I'm just another one of those guys who's like, hey, hey, Jor, thanks for coming by. Yeah, no, it's a little awkward and people are like, Jor, that's just a very abrasive way right. to say it. Right. Of well, course, harsh. Like, Jordan is already that way. Right. But I kind of like pull the French out of my name and I'm sort of like, sure. Yeah, which I took five I wish years you could see her right now. Yeah, well, it was, it was au français. That's exactly. what it was right we, there. Uh, again, thank you for coming by, and good luck with the event on Thursday. And I you. look forward to seeing what Me Too Minneapolis has in store for all of us for the future. Um, good luck with everything, and thanks for coming by. And what you said about part of it is daunting, but part of it is also inspiring. I woke up with this song in my head today, and it is I'm not one of those guys who's like, let's start the day and get everything done. It's going to be amazing. This is going to be great. But somehow, I woke up in a very good mood today, and this was the first song I thought of, and I'm like, you know, what better way is there to start the day than Susie freaking Quattro? 1973, her self-titled debut album came out. Nobody in America cared whatsoever, and in Britain she was essentially an overnight sensation and maintained a slew of hits that lasted more than a decade. She's one of my favorites, and it happens to be Joan Jett's birthday today. Without Susie Quattro, and this is no disrespect because Joan would say the exact same thing, there is no Joan Jett, or at least not the Joan Jett we've come to know and love. And so there's a definite connection right there, and Susie Quattro I've just always been a fan of, and this is the song that's going to be going on in my head when I head into vote, which is what I'm going to do the first thing after we leave here. Sean, I'm going to see you next time, all right? Sounds great. And thanks again.
again to Joe. If you want to know more, well, when we post all this information about the, the webcast here, or rather the podcast, we'll have the connective information on how you can get tickets to Thursday night's event, the Me Too Minneapolis virtual live streaming performance. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in to The Brian Oak Show. 